Hi, welcome to the Romance Me podcast. This is Erica. And I'm Em, and we'd like to say a special hello to our number one and only fan, Tim Curry, in any form, is best curry. <laughs> you know it's true. I'm not going to argue. Yay! <laughs> That's a first. <laughs> <laughs> I'm comfortable. This might be a problem. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently. You know, I'm glad you feel so comfortable now. (laughs) (laughs) Today we'll be discussing The Roommate by Rosie Dannon. Professional academic and carefully boring Clara moves across the country to win the affections of a man who isn't interested. An interested man has better places to be, but thoughtfully leaves her a replacement roommate. His name is Josh. He's a professional porn performer. Will self-described prude Clara be brave enough to follow her own dreams as she helps Josh realize his? There will be spoilers beyond this point. So Erica, what's Clara's situation when we first meet her? The story starts with Clara having just moved to LA. She gave up a lease early on an apartment in Manhattan which had to have been expensive. I would assume so. Just to move to LA to be a roommate with her longtime friend Everett, who is also an unrequited crush slash love of hers. He has never reciprocated, although I don't think she's ever really like made it clear. Like she's never really thrown her hat into the ring. No, she seems to like to admire from a near far. Like, she wants to be right up close to admire, but maintain her distance. Although she seems to think, like, it, at the beginning of the story, this move is, like, not only is she moving across the country, but she's making her move. Yeah, I think she Everett. sees this in her head as, like, an overture. This will be the thing that gets us together. Only not so much. Apparently she didn't let no. anybody else know of these romantic plans. And so Everett kind of made his own plans. Basically, Everett picks her up from the airport and drops her off at his house and then leaves because his band got a gig and he was not even going to be home this summer. But don't worry. I found a roommate <laughs> online. He seems like a chill guy. You'll like him. It'll be great. Wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so thrilled you gave my feelings so much consideration. Thank you. <laughs> you know, the thing about this whole this whole setup, too, that really gets to me is that Everett doesn't consider the fact that, you know, Clara, a woman, may not want to live with a man she does not know. Why would that be a problem? Like, <laughs> there are so many ways this could go wrong. Yeah, Everett, I mean, that just in a certain light, can be just seen as Everett's complete disregard for Clara. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, Everett, I guess, is just like a man-child. I think that's (laughs) kind of what he is, because he comes from a similar background as Clara. Clara grew up on the East Coast in Connecticut. Her family is very wealthy. She has a trust fund. Her family are socialites and fraught with scandal. Everett also grew up on the East Coast. They're quasi-betrothed. Not really, because neither of them are, but it's kind of like their families are friendly and expect them to get together. 
at some point. Yeah, the the families have machinations. Presumably Everett also has a trust fund because he's able to just have a band. (laughs) Or maybe he likes to live a minimalist lifestyle. (laughs) I don't know. And have a minimalist bank account. It doesn't sound like he's a successful performer. It just sounds like (laughs) that's what he does because he can. Yeah, maybe that's true. Not not to knock, uh, you know, musical artists because they're important, but... Social contributions. It's just... And cultural. He doesn't have any other job or anything, and he's not famous, so he has to be living off something he lives in a similar way to how clara does because she just essentially is a professional academic like i'm just going to school to not have to deal with real life well he's doing the same thing he's traveling around with the band so that he doesn't have to deal with real life true clara has two uh professional degrees from ivy league schools and we know one of them is a doctorate in art history I don't think the story ever mentions the other one, but she's 27, I believe. And it also sounds like she's never really had a real job or anything. She just goes to school and lives in Manhattan. Yeah, see, it's very similar. (laughs) You know. You're right. (laughs) It is. (laughs) So Everett, lovely friend that he is, drops her off. At his house and then <laughs> peeled out. <laughs> we don't see him again till the end of the story. Yeah. No, he's there for like two seconds. <laughs> I was like, wow, that was quick. I yeah. I'm surprised she's not livid. I'm surprised she stayed. I'm you know what I mean? <laughs> like, there's a lot of things where I was like, I, I don't I don't get Clara. <laughs> I think there's a lot of shame in that decision to stay. Because she doesn't want to admit defeat. Yeah. She She feels like she's made a stupid, rash decision to make this move. And for it to so quickly be a failure is something that's just unbearable to her. Just because she doesn't go back to Connecticut. Like, the world is bigger than Connecticut. So she could go anywhere (laughs) else. California is bigger than Connecticut. That's true. (laughs) (laughs) You're not wrong. (laughs) is la bigger than connecticut i don't know (laughs) probably not there's a lot of sprawl going on so clara does elect to stay despite what a reader might think of as a rational choice because she doesn't (laughs) know who this guy is oh you found a a new roommate on craigslist sure sounds great yeah oh oh wonderful let's just (laughs) sign me up um (laughs) oh he seems quote chill sounds good You know, from what we know of Everett, I'm sure Everett talked to him like once and was like, yep, he's fine. Yeah. (laughs) I don't understand how he could know so little of someone and then be like, yeah, sure. It's fine. Here, here's this. (laughs) Here, friend, I've known all my life. (laughs) Exactly. Live with this complete stranger. (laughs) Like, it's just, it's surprising to me. Like, I don't know if I would leave a house plant to a person I barely like just met off Craigslist let alone a person I'd be worried about the house plan I don't understand why he got a replacement roommate in the first place like why not just let Clara live there by herself doesn't she have enough money to or is she cut off or something he's letting her live there for free it doesn't matter oh and she has full access to her trust fund 
Yeah. So the whole reason that he found this roommate on Craigslist was simply for story purposes, honestly. Yeah. He's like, well, I, I was thinking maybe you could fall in love with this rando that I got off of Craigslist. Enjoy. Bye. Of course, he does say you'll love him. So there you go. Foreshadowing. <laughs> maybe he wants to be a matchmaker, you know, when the band doesn't work out. <laughs> Uh, okay, we've given enough of our attention to Everett. I agree. <laughs> Everett isn't even here anymore. He's gone. He's on his way to Santa Fe. <laughs> Bye. So Clara goes into the, is it a house or apartment? I can't even remember. Anyway, Clara enters the residence and Josh is already there. That's another weird logistical thing. Like, because Josh is taking Everett's room. And then Claire is using the guest room. So Everett like moved Josh in, ran to pick up Claire from the airport and dropped her off and then left. I don't know. See, I wonder if Everett hadn't watched some of Josh's work and had a sense of who he was. (laughs) All the more reason to not leave him with Clara. I don't know. Unless he had weird plans. Maybe he had weird voyeuristic inclinations. I don't know. Ew! Okay, you've given too much headspace to Everett. We're moving on. I don't know if I can. But she she has like this really awkward conversation with Josh because she immediately thinks, oh, he's cute. But then she keeps trying to discount his cuteness. He's cute, but not hot. But it's obvious she thinks he's hot. Um, He's really kind of charming. Kind of like playful puppy charming. It came across to me in this initial scene. Yeah, me too. And he's really kind of funny with her too. Like she brings up the idea oh, I want to go through everything and make sure that there's nothing that needs to be fixed. And she has like this checklist that's laminated and he makes fun of her for having laminated it. When she mentioned the list <laughs> thing, I thought of you. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, you show up on the list. <laughs> I do like laminating things. <laughs> Would you label the list with like one of those label makers, the list, and then... <laughs> Oh, when she said she got like a laminator as a gift one year, I'm just like, hey, that sounds kind of (laughs) nice. (laughs) But they kind of have like a, I don't know, they kind of have like this long ass conversation where they just talk about like house rules and she talks about how her family is prone to scandal and she's always lived her life trying not to have scandal and he says something that could be taken as flirty and then he's all oh no no wait you know I'm gonna be getting back together with my ex anytime here she asks him what he does for work and he says that he is in the entertainment industry and she immediately doesn't care like she's just like oh well that sucks that's boring So she doesn't even ask anything about his job at all. Which, you know, I think would probably be a nice change of pace to him. Like, oh, someone who doesn't care. Yeah, maybe. And then she kind of tells him some about her family history, especially about her Aunt Jill, who also lives in L.A. Her Aunt Jill's kind of like the black sheep of the Wheaton family. She fell in love with a guy who was married and there was a big scandal about it and she ended up... I don't know, basically getting cut off. Clara's grandfather like cut ties with her and she moved to LA and no one has ever talked to her or talked about her. She has been stricken from the family herd. And Josh says, oh, well, maybe you should call her. 
And Clara does. Clara calls Jill and they meet up for lunch. Which is just so funny because he has strange relations with his family. And I think because of his association with Clara, he repairs that later on too, which is nice. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so let's let's talk a little bit about Josh. Josh is, I think, right around Clara's age. I don't know if we know his actual age. No, I don't think we do. But when he was 24, he was working as a valet and he was having sex with a woman in a client's car and gets caught by the husband who, instead of throwing a fit or anything, asks him if he can watch. And then that's how he got, quote, discovered for porn. (laughs) Voyeurism is a thing. Yeah. Um, But the thing is, is he was so excited that someone thought he was good at something. Well, it's always nice to receive compliments. Yeah, that he signed a contract without, like, really reading it or anything. And so he's been working under this really crappy contract for uh, Black Hat Studios. That's a... Yeah, Black Hat Studios (laughs) is bad, in case you can't tell. (laughs) But the contract totally takes advantage of him. They should have called it Twirling Mustache Studios. I know, really, like... studios (laughs) he signed away like almost all his rights to his work and so he's not making very much money not nearly as much money as he could have made especially because he made it really big he broke onto the mainstream scene because his thing is like female pleasure Anyway, he went and told his folks like what his new career is. And we don't really know like what happened, but I kind of have a feeling like his mom looked disappointed or something. And then he left and hasn't talked to them for two years. I don't think his mom handled it the way that he had wanted her to handle it. And so it left ripples. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's one of those like I think nightmares that parents have. Like you love your kid. You're going to love your kid no matter what. They come to you and tell you something that you would rather not know or would rather they didn't do. Yeah. And then you're just like a deer in the headlights. Oh, shit. And then it's tricky because the kid will be standing there like looking for approval, looking for... Looking for something. Yeah, validation. Yeah. And meanwhile, the parent is just like, hold on, I'm processing. Josh didn't let them process. He's just like, okay, well, obviously they don't like this. Bye. He like insta internalized the shame or guilt or whatever it was, the negativity. Yeah. You know, rather than giving them time to adjust, he was like, nope, nope, I've decided this is not good. And up until this point, Clara didn't know who Josh was because she's not the type of person who watches porn. But when she meets her Aunt Jill for lunch, um, they're chatting and Josh sends her a selfie, like a funny selfie. And she shows it to her aunt and her aunt recognizes him. <laughs> the aunt knows. <laughs> She's all, that's Josh Darling. Who? <laughs> and Clara goes, that can't be his real name. And she goes, oh, no, that's his porn name. <laughs> I don't know. You kind of get like this mic drop sort of moment, I think. Or no, mic drop isn't the right word. Like a... Like a free fall. You kind of get like a free fall sort of moment here where Claire is like rethinking her life choices. (laughs) And she's just like, how did I get here? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And there's this quote, um, her entire life, she'd chosen safety over excitement. She hadn't done drugs. 
She rarely drank because she knew she couldn't hold her liquor. She had exactly one pair of sexy panties, and she never wore them because they rode up her butt. How in the world had she accidentally moved in with a porn star? <laughs> well, that you can thank Everett for. <laughs> and not only that, but she has like this very specific idea of what porn is. And it's not a, a positive idea of porn. You know, she's very much like porn is about women being degraded. And she can't imagine Josh being in porn like that. Yeah, because she thinks that he's not a sleazy guy. I don't know if her opinion of him at that moment is particularly high, but there's at least some level of standard. I think there's some dissonance there because she she perceives him one way, like goofy, funny, cute guy who gives women facials. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like She just can't see how those pieces fit. Meanwhile, we go into Josh's head and we meet um, his ex-girlfriend, Naomi, who has also been like a regular co-star of his. And that's how he became famous is the movies they made together. I really like Naomi. Naomi's really cool. Like I was prepared for her to be the evil ex and she turned out to be so awesome. I know. I was so happy when she was not evil. I really hope that yeah. if this turns into a series, her book is next. It is a series <gasps> and her book is next. <gasps> I'm delighted you've made my day. <laughs> <laughs> I looked it up. Yay. I don't think it's I don't think it's released as of when we're recording this, but yeah, her book is next. Well, yay, I have that to look forward to. Huzzah. Naomi is, she's kind of like super, super hot, super confident, super smart. And she comes off like kind of, I think, bitchy initially. But really, I think it's just her being confident. And she knows what she wants. Yeah. And it really seemed to me like while she and Josh have like this affection for each other, they know each other really well. It doesn't really seem like they ever really had like the emotional connection that, you know, one would expect in a boyfriend girlfriend relationship. I kind of would categorize their relationship more as like a friends with benefits sort of relationship and the benefits ended. Yeah, I think they were together just because they a knew like both of them knew the score and they knew that professionally them together was a good thing. But I don't think. Yeah. Yeah. It was not a love match. And they both knew it and they both appreciated it for what it was, which seems acceptable, if not healthy. You know, they weren't deluded. Neither one of them were thinking, oh, this is this is my one true love, which, of course, especially if it was Naomi who felt that way, then it would have been you're taking my man to Clara, which that's yeah. not what it was. I think she was just more worried about the problems Clara could create because of of who Clara is because she's not a part of the industry right and thus will shun them shun the non-believer yeah there's a lot of this underlying theme of the shame of being in sex work I mean I don't know a whole lot about sex work but I think this book kind of approaches it from a from a pretty fair point of view because we have characters in this book who enjoy their work and they're into it. And then we have like this industry that like tries to take advantage of people. Yep. That's entertainment. Yeah. It's not necessarily the sex workers that, you know, they're, they're perceived positively in this book. They're portrayed positively. Yeah. It's the industry, the porn industry, the quote, big porn. Yeah. The man. 
Or big business, yeah. I should say. It's always the man <laughs> keeping you down. The man fucking you up the ass. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I have a lot of ways that that could go in my head. I'm going to leave that alone. So after we meet Naomi, uh, Josh goes and has a meeting with his his agent, Benny, who apparently works for Black Hat, which I don't know how he's Josh's agent because he seems really biased. Yeah. I don't know. Benny is in Black Hat's pocket and you figure this out pretty quick because um, Josh has asked Benny to try to renegotiate his contract early because he got shafted on the contract like we talked about earlier. And Benny comes back and they have this meeting about it and Black Hat has given him like a very low offer like for renegotiation. But Benny's trying to convince Josh to sign up for the more hardcore type stuff, which Josh has no interest in. He would prefer to do the work that he likes and not the work that he doesn't like. Yes. (laughs) Which makes sense. Mm -hmm. And he also like talks about something like, I don't know if it's in this scene. It might be, but he talks about like the waivers that Naomi had to sign when she went over to the dark side. (laughs) Because they had cookies. (laughs) And money. Yeah. Or they tried to make her sign. Yes. But Benny's trying to convince Josh, you know, it's going to be better for your career if you do more hardcore stuff. Right now, you hit it big, but you and Naomi broke up. You're not going to be able to keep up the same image now as a single dude. He's just basically trying to manipulate him. It's unpleasant. And Josh is just like, no. (laughs) Line in the sand. So while Josh is still out, Clara has come home from her lunch and decides to Google Josh. <laughs> her interest is peaked. I think part of it is like just curiosity, you know, but I think part of it too is she's trying to reconcile like these two different images because she views porn as like nasty, degrading, etc., 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 and she just doesn't see Josh in that light at all and she's trying to like see like how is this a thing? I don't understand. At any rate, she finds an article about him making it big and one of the things that that he's known for is prioritizing his female co-star's pleasure yay and then there's a link to a video that she decides to click on (laughs) it's one of josh's videos surprise surprise but she's watching (laughs) it and it's pretty hot and she's enjoying it as she's watching it In the living room, I might add, because when you share a house with a complete stranger, where else would you watch your porn, Em? Right in the living room, on the big screen TV. (laughs) (laughs) With the volume on high. (laughs) The volume is on high because when Josh comes in, he hears his sexy grunt from the video. And he knows that grunt, as he should, considering it's his. Yes. And so (laughs) he's just hanging out, watching her watch him. (laughs) And then finally drops his bag on the floor. (laughs) Honey, I'm home. Which freaks Clara out. (laughs) Yeah, she like slams the laptop shut. She's all, sorry. (laughs) I was watching your porn, but... I wasn't doing anything untoward. <laughs> Promise. <laughs> Josh is is so turned on. Like he is into her. He's been into her. 
even though he's kind of told himself, no, no, stay away. Do not have sex with roommate. That is bad. But then when he walks in on her watching his porn, he's just like, ooh. (laughs) So they kind of have like a little bit of a conversation about his job now that she knows. And she wants to know his real name. It's kind of funny because Josh expects her to have like certain types of questions. I think he has like this whole stereotype of like, this is what people think of this work. This is what people will ask. Yeah, well, they both have their stereotypes. Clara is just kind of more like, yeah, they do. But then Clara is like, well, what's your real name? How did you get into the job? And then after he tells her like how he got started, she says, well, didn't you consider other occupations? And then he says, oh, I see. You're fishing for my secret pain. He's got like this bug up his butt. Yeah, you have you have this perception, like everyone else, that to be in the porn industry, you have to be damaged in some way. Maybe I just like what I do. Okay, you like what you do. Yay. I'm so pleased for you. I don't know. Like, <laughs> you think he sounds a little defensive? He's so defensive and I don't understand why. It's because he likes her. Well, maybe, but we don't get like a lot. Like he's, he's defensive about it from the get-go. Like when he tells his folks. And his mom reacts poorly, however it is that she reacts. And he just leaves and decides that his parents have disowned him. (laughs) And he doesn't really seem to have, like, any friends who aren't in the industry, which I don't know how realistic that is or not. I mean, I would imagine that people who work in the industry are probably, you know, friends with each other. But I don't know. I don't have, like, the idea, like, I didn't have the idea in my head that everyone who works in sex work is damaged in some way. Yeah, I don't know. I wouldn't assume that that's the case for everyone. I'm sure some people are, but, I mean, some people are, some people aren't, right? Well, I mean, you're going to have, quote, unquote, damaged people working in every profession. It's not... Right. (laughs) So, I don't know. I kind of feel like, and I don't feel like this ever really gets addressed in this book, but he has, like, this issue with other people judging porn like him him doing porn specifically but we don't really know why like did he get judged at some point yeah it would have made more sense for something in his backstory to be revealed where he was judged critically and then is therefore sensitive to it rather than just being so reactionary and defensive yeah like maybe maybe he had an ex-girlfriend or something that found out what he did and couldn't stand it exactly or maybe his parents were actually disappointed and reactionary and did disown him even though we find out they really didn't he just kind of decides that they did yeah although to be fair they haven't contacted him but i don't know if they know how either like he may have changed his number or something yeah i mean from what they say in the story like he doesn't live all that far from them so theoretically contacts could have been made you would think because in this day and age it just seems so easy to contact anyone that it's a little difficult to believe that somebody can't get a hold of someone especially over a span of how many years two yeah So while they're talking about his job, she's trying to make him feel better. You know, I think she can tell that he feels tense. He feels like she's judging him and she's just trying to say like, well, I think you did a good job. I think you were effective. (laughs) (laughs) And he's just like, oh, well, do you have any specific feedback? Uh... (laughs) She's like, 
oh, I found it surprising that you paid so much attention on her. And he's like, well, be specific. And she's all, oh, like going down on her. Only she's much more awkward about how she phrases it. And then she says, oh, that's not really my cup of tea, but that woman seemed to really enjoy it. Hmm. Imagine that. Yeah, he latches onto that, of course. Of course. And he says, well, how do your partners usually get you off? And she's just like, um, why is this about (laughs) me now? I don't like this. Well. (laughs) And then he says, please tell me that a man has brought you to orgasm. And then she's all, well you know some of them tried but it took a while and i felt bad about it so i just figured i'd take care of it myself (laughs) (laughs) which i'm glad that she takes care of herself yes someone should (laughs) but he says what a waste and she's just like excuse me yeah she's quick to take offense and he's kind of quick to give it a little bit he's determined well i'm going to be the first man to ever bring you to orgasm and he talks her into it too he's like i'll get you off with my hands with your panties on yes it becomes a challenge yeah she's all challenge accepted (laughs) gauntlet has been thrown (laughs) yeah and she lets him and he's effective yep very effective and then he's a butthole Right? Doesn't he, like, make some sort of snide comment after? And then she feels the shame. Well, yeah, so it's it's stupid because... So after she comes, he is super turned on by this. Like, he's into it. After she comes, she comes back... She comes down to earth. She comes back to herself. And she she feels embarrassed and shameful. And she's just like, I can't believe that this happened. I can't believe like this did anything for him. This was purely like an exercise for him. I mean, there's even this quote, like he routinely went all the way with incredible looking women. So she like looks down on herself even like compared to, you know, porn stars. I'm nobody. Yeah. And so she says to him first, I suppose for you, that was just like work. And then he says, don't be ridiculous at work. I get paid. Mm. (laughs) oh buddy (laughs) yes this is where the misunderstandings begin because clara is is constantly like throughout the story is thinking how could a guy like him actually want me i'm not up to his standard i'm not wild and sexual and free and josh is like she sees me as a porn star like i'm never gonna measure up to what she deserves yeah. They both have problems. They have issues. They do. I think this is kind of at the point where like Josh feels like <laughs> he's into her. He is super into her. I don't know if he's in love with her at this point, but he's definitely deeply in lust. Yeah. Clara isn't really letting her brain go down that road. Like every time she starts thinking about him in that way, she's like, nope, nope, nope. <laughs> this is just like a job to him. I'm not special. Nope, nope. Can't go there. I think she's just afraid at what that might mean because he is completely the opposite of the type of person her family would want for her. Yeah. <laughs> because they're so concerned about reputation and scandal and for their precious trust fund daughter to get with a porn star That would just be unbearable. Oh, no. Clara decides, I think I'm going to leave. I think I can't handle this anymore. And she goes to Jill's office to tell her goodbye. But Jill ends up offering her a job and kind of talking her into staying. (laughs) 
her aunt owns a PR firm and they have a really prominent uh, project right now where they're working the re-election campaign for the DA and it's kind of an uphill battle for the DA. I don't think she's super popular at this point. Well, I think it depends, but yeah. I really like the relationship between Clara and Jill because Jill like basically got ostracized from her family. The second her niece shows up, she's like, yeah, your family. I care about Yay. you. You know, I see things in you that are maybe familiar to her. So Clara has a problem with this job because she is afraid of driving. And when you live in California, especially LA, <laughs> you need to be able to drive. Nothing is close. <laughs> <laughs> and public transit is a fairy tale. Not the best system in the world. No. So she makes Josh breakfast for dinner to bribe him into letting her practice driving with his car. Josh agrees to help her, but he wants to be in the car when she's driving because... It's his baby. Yeah. Which is fair. Yeah. And so they go out for a drive after they're done eating. They drive past Josh's old high school. And so Josh tells her some more about his backstory. We learn a little bit about how he just kind of was the type of kid who didn't really have like a direction I think that's why he was so excited when he got discovered. And then he um, confesses to Clara that he has like this really bad contract with Black Hat. They're trying to get him to sign up for things that he doesn't want to do. He can't afford a lawyer to break his contract or anything. But he's basically decided that, you know, he's made his quota. So he's just going to not work until his contract expires. It's kind of a good conversation because she's she's really encouraging about it. Like, I think she feels bad for him, like, that he's stuck in such a shitty situation. Yeah, I think it enables them to bond a bit. Yeah, and she's like, well, what what could you do? Like, what else could you do? And he says, well, I know a decent amount about production. And she's all, well, that's something you could do. Like, you could produce something. And, she's, and he's like, well, no one would hire me. <laughs> that's what you think. <laughs> yeah and she's like well you're an artist and you found a way to make a living from your art and that's enterprising so they're transitioning into friends is that what you think yeah i think at this point they're friends for sure because she cares about him she's given him a pep talk when he needs it he cares about her he's willing to help her get over her fear of driving mm -hmm. they're opening up to each other they know more about each other's past they've probably had more conversations than she had ever have ever had Probably. <laughs> so a couple weeks pass and Josh is just consistently sexually frustrated living with Clara because he's super into her. He's even gotten to the point where, you know, he wants to shower after her so he can smell her shower. How do we feel about that? I, I don't know. I thought it was kind of cute, actually. I sort of looked at it as like a cute moment. I tried to at any rate. <laughs> you tried to. <laughs> uh, what about you? You said that you did. Yeah, I thought it was kind of cute. I don't know why. I think it's just because when we're in Josh's head, he's so, like, the way he feels about Clara is is lustful, but still also, like, kind of respectful. Yeah, it's very sweet. You know, he cares about her as a person, even while he lusts after her delicious body. <laughs> 
Yes. They also bond like over action movies. Like Clara is super into action movies. She even like makes a future friend date with Josh to go see a Rocky marathon, you know, later that summer. Let's do the time warp again. Which he agrees to. (laughs) (laughs) Not that Rocky. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) But that's where my brain goes. Although that is a good curry. (laughs) That's a very good curry. Spicy curry. (laughs) Lots of anticipation. Josh has a meeting with Black Hat Studios, the owner or the CEO or somebody, somebody at the top. His name is Pruitt. He's an asshole. And he basically tries to bully Josh into signing up for the more hardcore stuff and offers him a lot of money for it. And Josh turns it down. And part of the reason he turns it down is because he wants to be the type of guy that he thinks Clara would want him to be. Yeah. But as he walks away, Pruitt is like threatening him. Like he threatens to blacklist him, essentially. You'll never work in this town again. Yeah, well, the internet exists, so your town is fucked. (laughs) (laughs) But then this goes back to the conversation that Josh and Clara had earlier about him producing things. And so when he tells Clara about the situation with Pruitt and how he's not going to go for it, Clara is like, well, what are you going to do about it? And he says, well, there's not a lot I can do while I'm under contract. And she says, well, what things are you allowed to do? And so the thing that he's allowed to do is narrate. And she helps him come up with this idea to narrate like a how-to guide on um, getting women off, basically. Like that's how it starts out. The way she pitches it is, what if you made something somewhere between porn and sex ed? Which I kind of like. I like that idea. A sexy sex ed. (laughs) Sexy sex ed. But I think it's kind of a cool idea because I think that's a big crit critique about porn or the porn industry in general is that it get it sets up like unrealistic expectations a lot of the positions aren't realistic positions they're for camera you know they're for the lens a lot of the things that happen in porn are again for the viewer not for the pleasure of the actors yeah to have like something that is more tutorial-esque I could see that being helpful yeah I could too Josh is like yeah but I don't have any money for that and Clara's like well I have a trust fund so I could invest I have the money (laughs) Josh is like I'm not borrowing money from you you're my friend oh and she goes no this is important let's do this he says well that's great and all but don't we need women for something like this I'm not an authority on the female body and she's like No, you must know someone who could, you know, be on camera. And Josh immediately thinks of Naomi. I love that he thinks of Naomi because Naomi is is a badass. She really is. Like I said, I'm really looking forward to that next book that has Naomi in it. And she seems to have good business sense, too. Like, she's managing her career, man. She knows what she wants. She's going for it. So Josh introduces Clara to Naomi. Clara kind of pitches it to her. Like, you guys are two of the hottest names in the industry. You're coming back together to build something for women. It's going to be great. I can help you get press coverage. I can help you do the PR stuff. I have a ton of money. I'm throwing it at you. (laughs) Naomi's like, well, how are you going to be a partner in this project? And she's all, no, just financial. And Naomi decides, you know, 
no, that's not good enough. I, I will sign on to this venture, but only if you're involved. Like you have to be along for the whole ride. Josh can see that Claire is feeling kind of uncomfortable and he's like, you don't have to do this. And she's like, no, she's perfect. Yep, we're doing this. <laughs> I like that they kind of take the decision away. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. (laughs) So they cast people. Um, Josh and Naomi have a lot of contacts in the business and they know people who are also fed up with Black Hat Studios and are willing to risk getting blacklisted to do this sort of project. They like the idea. They're in on it. It's really cool. Clara is being involved. Like she's, she helps with casting. She helps like buying props. Josh goes with her to buy props and enjoys watching her want to buy props. They kind of get like a little bit heated. Like they have like this really sexy conversation. It's not a personal conversation really, but it's just kind of like sexy, I guess. And Clara kind of goes into like this whole like monologue about the anticipation of a kiss being better than the actual experience of a kiss which i felt was pretty well written and then josh was like super into it (laughs) i'm gonna read this part because it's just so funny josh tells her oh you should write for the website you're good at channeling your emotions all this thinking about sex but not actually having any is boiling my brain and she says all this thinking about sexy people doing sexy things with sexy toys i've never said the word sexy so much in my life i feel strung out (laughs) And Josh says, I don't know what to do because all he's thinking about is having sex with Clara. And she says, it's like having an itch you can't quite scratch. And he's just like, yes. (laughs) And he's like going, is she turned on? Because I'm super turned on. And then Clara says, well, I suppose you should channel all of that energy into a productive direction. And he's like, and does that mean what I hope it means? And she's like, (laughs) have you tried journaling? And he says, I'm sorry, it sounded like you said journaling. (laughs) And she says, I did. You should use all of your erotic energy as fuel for next week's scenes. (laughs) And then he's like thinking about his, he says, he'd take all of his pent up lust, all these inexhaustible urges, and he'd package them, make them neat and useful. Yes, let's make that package useful. Yes. <laughs> he does journal and he has some good ideas for next week's scenes, but he doesn't feel very confident about it. And he comes out of his room and he asks if he can read it to Clara since he's meant to be narrating this stuff anyway, because that's the thing that he's allowed to do. He is permitted. <laughs> <laughs> and so he does. He narrates it to her. She likes it. She gives him some feedback. And then... um. He says, we could try the exercise if you want to. (laughs) He kind of brings up like the idea that once you start in this business, you tend to be like hyper stimulated for a while until you get used to it. And so he kind of talks her into it that way. Like, well, you're just letting off steam, you know. (laughs) The exercise is just him talking her through masturbation, essentially. And so she goes for it. And then she says, oh, he should masturbate also. And he's like, hell yeah, I will. (laughs) I was just waiting for you to ask. (laughs) So there's this really like sexy scene. They're like watching each other masturbate. He's dirty talking to her. And then there's just like this, I don't know, like they don't know what to do now. They they made it awkward for themselves. I think so. (laughs) 
And he says, I should probably go type up my notes. My findings, if you will. The problem when you have the feels, but you don't have the conversations that go with the feels. And it's like, oh, this just... (laughs) But this is where she comes up with the name for their project. She decides to name the website and the project Shameless. So this was an inspiring process for her. (laughs) So when they're at the studio where they're going to be filming, and Josh is kind of freaking out, I think, because it's going to happen soon... You know, he's checking and double checking things and he feels like the blocking is is marked out wrong for the camera angles. Again, somehow he and Clara end up, I guess, kind of dry humping at this point. (laughs) I don't know. Is that what you would call what they were doing? Yeah, that's how I would describe it. (laughs) (laughs) To mark out the blocking better. And Naomi walks in on them and she's just like, oh, actually, that works better if you don't have clothes on. (laughs) But Claire is like, awkward, I'm leaving. Uh, Naomi and Josh have like a moment alone and Naomi makes Josh promise not to have sex with Clara because Claire's their investor. And if you have sex with her, things will get messy. Yes. And Naomi's a successful businesswoman. And so she's thinking about the business. Yeah. And not only that, but she's like, you know, I put my reputation on the line. I'm going to get blacklisted from Black Hat. What else am I going to do? Like, you can't do this to me. That's not cool, which is true. But it's also revealed that Naomi thinks Claire is awesome because they have this conversation. Like, after he promises, he says about Claire, she thinks she's soft, but sometimes she gets this look in her eyes. I don't even know how to describe it. And Naomi says, like, she could eat nails for breakfast. (laughs) That's why I made you swear. (laughs) She knows his type. Claire oversleeps. She has a big presentation for the DA, for the PR campaign. She's missed the bus. And then she gets a call from Jill, who's like, where are you? I need you. You have the copies of the presentation. And if you're not here, when the DA gets here, then she's probably going to turn around and walk out the door and we're going to lose this job. Claire says, I'll figure something out. And she grabs Josh's spare key for his car, because Josh isn't home, takes his car to drive to work she's thinking to herself it'll be fine he'll understand i'll explain it i'll apologize he'll understand but she still doesn't feel super comfortable driving and as she's driving to work she gets in a car wreck Uh oh she wakes up in the hospital josh is there and she feels guilty about having quote borrowed the car (laughs) (laughs) and he's like you know you shouldn't have taken it without asking but you need me that's why i'm here yeah it's really sweet yeah i think that was one of those moments where i was like that is very nice yeah i really liked that moment and then he takes her home and gives her a shower yes (laughs) i really enjoyed the shower scene because she's in pain yes there is no sex in this scene no sexiness but he is supremely turned on and trying very hard to be very clinical about this shower he really wants to do a good job (laughs) you know what i mean like to be i was gonna say professional but i don't know if that's the right word for that yeah clinical right yeah he is performing a function exactly he's basically an automaton or a robot trying to be yes (laughs) (laughs) and then after he's done and (laughs) he rinses her off and he steps back and it says he deserved a fucking medal. 
Maybe someday, buddy. He's feeling super conflicted now because not only, you know, does he have like the whole I'm not good enough for her stuff in his head. He also has the whole don't fuck your roommate in his head. And then he has Naomi made me promise not to. (laughs) And he respects Naomi and the business and everything, which is why that has weight. And I mean, not that he would do anything at this point because she's hurt and he was, you know, he cares about her. He, He wouldn't want her to hurt her. He wouldn't want to hurt her. No, he wouldn't. But for the rest of the week, he takes care of her. It's very sweet. Clara's mom still thinks that Everett is there and called Everett to check in with Clara and thank him for taking care of her. And so Everett (laughs) sent her flowers with a note. So apparently he covered for her. Thanks, Everett. (laughs) Clara goes into her room and she's like looking at all her Everett memorabilia And is just kind of thinking about how things aren't turning out the way she had imagined when she first came out here. And Josh comes in to check on her and he starts looking through the memorabilia also. You know, she doesn't really care. She doesn't feel embarrassed or ashamed or anything to share any of this with him because he's seen her at her worst. Mm -hmm. He's seen her broken in the hospital. He's seen her when she couldn't even bathe herself. He's given her, well, he's given her one orgasm, but helped her along with with another one. Orgasm support. Yeah. (laughs) Orgasm support. (laughs) He was a supporting cast member. (laughs) And he kind of gets a little PO'd when he comes across a picture of her and Everett in high school. And he says, oh, I didn't realize you'd been into him for that long. And he starts asking her questions like, why? Why are you so into him? (laughs) Like, why was he such a thing? And she says, my life is built around rhythms and routine. Chasing Everett became familiar, comfortable. No one would worry about me with Everett on my arm. She's still like the whole reason she was into Everett was because he was a safe choice. Yeah. And then Josh is like, well, he's a he's a moron. (laughs) (laughs) Subtle, dude. Subtle. Yeah. He's like, I don't understand why he hasn't wanted to be with you then. Like, what's wrong with him? (laughs) He kind of lays it out there, at least part of it, because he he confesses to her how much he is into her, like how much he wants her physically. He doesn't confess how he feels about her. You know, he doesn't use the L word or anything. Clara is kind of, I think, still in denial. She's just like, I didn't think you'd be into me that way. Yeah, she clings to that quite a bit, that denial. Yeah, but they end up kissing and it's amazing and wonderful. And it goes into like a make out type of thing. They're both into it, but in the back of his head, Josh is like, does she want real me or is she like into this porn star image me? Yeah. So he's got he's got a little bit of a chip on his shoulder still. But they start getting ready to have sex. And she's just like, I don't have any moves. I don't know what I'm doing. And he's like, that's fine. I'll take care of that, you know. <laughs> but then when he gets undressed, she sees his size and finds it intimidating. But here's another freaking misunderstanding. He says, I get it. I mean, I'm sure you're turned off thinking about my job, probably wondering if I'm even capable of having sex without cameras. So again, he's back to like this, (laughs) you must hate my job. But Clara decides, no, actually, that's not true. So she starts going down on him to like 
bolster his confidence, I guess? I don't know. It's so odd. I don't know why he is so sure that she has this issue with his job. At no point in the story has she said anything negative about his job. Yeah, I think that's where the backstory would have cleared that up. Like if he had issues before. Yeah, I think so. Because even when we have like at the very beginning where where Clara has like this idea of the stereotype of porn. Once she sees the type of porn that Josh is in, she's like, oh, well, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> like she's not like she has no issues with any of that, really. Aside from a lack of confidence in herself, I suppose. Yeah, I agree. Like, oh, I can't, I can't measure up to a porn actress. They have the sex. <laughs> it's amazing. She's into it. But she's worried that, that, you know, he's saying all these things like, oh, you're the best thing that has ever happened to me. Oh, you're so wonderful. Oh, I want you. All these things that sound good. But she's still telling herself, no, he doesn't really mean it like that. Yeah. Just let this be what it is. Don't assume that he means anything by it, which is just crazy because at no point does Josh tell, like Josh doesn't give her any reason to think that he means anything other than what he's saying. Yeah. (laughs) They're both all caught up in their own heads here. Like, I think that's the biggest problem with this story is, which I, you know, I mean, that's a romance trope thing, I guess. But like the whole, I feel this, but they must not. And they never have that conversation. Yeah, it's all the internalized feels. Yeah. And then they even go, they get breakfast, like super late at night. You know, they get waffles or whatever. And he's about to confess that he's in love with her right when the server comes by with their waffles and it interrupts him. And so he's just like, well, I'll tell her tomorrow if she still wants me tomorrow. (laughs) can't mention it now it would be too convenient and then this is where the shit kind of hits the fan because this is the day they have um the rocky marathon that they're going to their friend date claire is thinking oh okay so he's friend zoning me now after the movie's over they leave the theater and claire's forgot her cardigan in the theater and she goes back to get it and they run into the da who knows Clara, of course, and is like, oh, is this your young man? And Clara says, oh, no, of course not. I was just asking him if he knew where the bathrooms were located. (laughs) What was your opinion of Clara in that moment? Coward. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I was really surprised she, like, I had a hard time with that moment because I really had to be like, no, no, that really makes sense for her because... It really didn't make sense to me. Yeah, it didn't make sense to me at all. I don't know. I mean, she's super aware of the situation, like scandal, like potential for scandal. She sees it everywhere. Yeah, she's like got PTSD where scandal is concerned. It's it's a lot. Yeah, but I think that's what hit her in this moment. She's like, no, I'm doing PR for the DA's re-election campaign. She can't possibly think that I'm with this guy. She may recognize him or someone else will. And then there will be scandal. And then the world will be over. So I think that's why she had the reaction she did. But it is cowardly. And... I think, too, there is a hint of probably, oh, he doesn't really mean it. He doesn't really like me the way I think I like him. She had an opportunity there to stake some sort of claim, and she just didn't. She didn't at all. And it kind of breaks Josh's heart. Yeah, I felt so bad for him right then. Because I don't 
know if he necessarily saw that coming. I don't think he blames her as much as I blame her. <laughs> I think he hopes. He hopes that she'll claim him, but he worries she won't. And when she doesn't, he's like, yep. Yeah. So I think he did see it coming. Fear validated. He also feels like like she's not giving him any chances to prove himself. He turns it into something, oh, it meant nothing to me either, of course. And then Claire's like, oh, yeah, of course. It didn't mean anything to me either. Of course. Let's downplay our feelings. Because, yeah, because the second Clara sees how her words affected him, she's instantly, like, it's it's definitely one of those moments of instant regret. I did not mean it. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, and she's, she would... She would take it back if she could. Yeah. And he just won't let her. Like, he's like, no, it's fine. Don't worry about it. This is nothing. Which hurts her. But I feel like she kind of deserves it. (laughs) Me too. I was less sympathetic to her. I don't know. I just don't. I don't get it. Like, I feel. I feel if I were Clara, I would have said, like, if I ran into my client and they're like, oh, is this your young man? And we were in like this weird stage you know, I would say, I don't know, maybe, <laughs> you know, or if I were feeling really brave, maybe I would say yes. Do you think there's anything she could have done differently that would have rung true for her character that would have made her more likable? <laughs> yeah, of course, the female characters must be likable. Um, I don't know. I sort of don't know if, if there could have been. I think for her it was that gut reaction yeah it's not like she could be like hold on let me think of the appropriate thing to say to you so i don't know i think in in her panicked ptsd where scandals concerned mind i think that rings true as far as something that she could have done to be more likable i don't know i think i don't even know if likable is the right word but like more palatable like less painful for josh i feel so bad for josh (laughs) me too I struggled a little bit with this because I think Josh is supposed to be well known in the porn industry and yet he's renting a room off of Craig, you know, like, I don't know. So it, it made it tricky for me with this because it's, the reason I bring that up is because if he's not well known, then there's less of a worry that he'd be recognized. So then why not say, oh, this is my friend at the very least maybe my boyfriend nudge nudge wink wink you know we have to have that talk yeah or oh well this might be a date i don't know yeah or if he's super well known which he's supposed to be right yeah then i can understand where it's like oh no let's distance here (laughs) then that makes more sense but to not even claim him as a friend like she's distanced herself completely i think when you're worried about scandal it's it's any association. Yeah. So I don't I don't fault her for doing it. It, just, it surprised me. And I think it was completely in character for her to do that. And I don't mind that she did something that I look at and kind of go, well, that's not all that likable. Or like you said, palatable. Because <laughs> I feel like people are important to you. You should be able to own them and your association with them. I get it. But I don't like it. And I and I think part of the reason I don't like it is that the author did a really good job of portraying how hurt Josh was. Yeah. If his feelings weren't bothered, then it's not a thing. Yeah. I think that whole scene was well written because it was very gut-wrenching from Josh's perspective. Yeah, it was very well written. 
I agree with you. And I don't know. I think if I were Josh, I'd be like, well, fuck you, Clara. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's so tricky. I mean, it's not like when they were out in public, anybody was giving him looks. Yeah, I don't think so. If she noticed anybody noticing him. So it's sort of like if nobody recognizes him, then why is it a big thing? Especially, it's not like they're being photographed in that moment and people are asking, who are you standing next to? Yeah, I think she's just worried at that point because of the DA. Yeah, I I get her gut reaction. Yeah, I think if she had run into someone else, maybe she would have responded differently. Because, yeah, her reaction was all about potential scandal. Yeah, it it makes sense. Ugh. Jeez. So now Josh is butthurt and Claire is butthurt. They're both butthurt. They don't talk about this. Josh is just trying to deal with the fact that he's in love with this person who distanced herself from him. And so he's trying to distance himself from her. Him distancing himself from her has hurt her feelings. And so she's like, well, I was right. He didn't mean anything that he said. So she just feels like her caution was justified. Yeah. Naomi ends up setting Clara up on a blind date with her dentist. (laughs) (laughs) Which pisses Josh off. Yeah, well. And then uh, Josh gets news from Benny the agent that the blacklisting has begun so a couple of the cast members have been blacklisted from working in um in any future black hat productions oh no and so that raises the stakes because well now the project can't fail because he's got these people's livelihoods to think about yeah and he's thinking about well maybe i need to sign this contract with pruitt and just cave so that no one else gets hurt claire says you can't do that. Let's keep going with what we're doing. No backing out now. And then the shit hits the fan for Clara because, well, she's she's at this meeting with Tony and Jill and Tony wants to talk to just Clara. And Tony says, what would you tell me to do if I found out someone working on my campaign was involved in an activity that could prove inflammatory in the wrong hands? And Clara's like, you should fire them quietly and distance yourself. Issue one statement and then let it die. And then Tony shares these pictures that she has about Clara with her name attached to Shameless. Uh-oh. And her name wasn't supposed to be attached at all. She was supposed to be a silent investor. Tony's pretty gracious about it. She's like, well, I don't have any problems with you and you're, you can do whatever you want with your money and your time, but I can't associate my campaign with this. I kind of wonder what Tony would have said if Clara had given her different advice. I wonder. Because she basically let Clara pull her own noose around her neck. (laughs) Clara, meanwhile, is thinking to herself, who outed me? Was it Josh? Was he that mad? Clara goes back to Jill and tells Jill she needs to be fired. Like, you need to fire me. Denounce me. Denounce my sight. Jill's like, I'm not going to do that. You're my family. And Clara's like, no, you have to do that so you can get the DA reelected. Jill kind of ends this conversation with like, there's got to be some other way and I will try to figure it out. And Clara's like, you know, there's not any other way. (laughs) There's no way. Just accept it. Just accept it. So Clara's back at home. When Josh gets home, they have a fight, kind of. Yeah. Um, Because Clara's like, did you see this? How I got outed in this article? How did this happen? Did you tell reporters this? And Josh is like, no. And then he reads the documents. Like, he reads it and he says, oh, it says that my agent Benny 
Oh, so <laughs> my agent <laughs> Benny named you. <laughs> Josh is like, yep, this is Black Hat. This is them being assholes. But then he also feels hurt because he's like, why aren't you proud of this anyway? Like, why is this bothering you? He calls her out. And she says, well, it cost me my job and it possibly cost Tony her reelection and possibly blemished Jill's firm. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like, these are the reasons I care. And he's like, well, I'm sorry you have to deal with that. And he he goes on this whole diatribe like, I'm sorry your dirty little secret got out. I'm sorry that one day you experienced a tiny piece of backlash that I've faced for the last two years. (laughs) Yes, this is the day in a life. A little bit. But again, this is something that I have not seen for Josh at all. Yeah. What backlash? When? No, I agree. And then he goes, you know what? Actually, I'm not sorry. When are you going to stop acting like a hypocrite? Never. <laughs> then he goes too far because he asks her, why did, why did she sleep with him? And she says, I wanted to, I'm attracted to you. And he says, so was it just sex? And Clara lies and says, yes. And so then Josh is like, I know why you did it. You did it so that when you're rich red-faced husband climbs on top of you under the covers you can close your eyes and remember writhing on my cock what a fucking asshole yeah that was not you know that's sort of you know they both had their not great moments and that's his yeah that's a yeah that's a low blow (laughs) totally Uh, but clara is like this is not the josh i know why are you acting this way and he says i'm in love with you You have a very funny way of showing it. (laughs) She's like, how can this possibly be a thing? Someone has to lose if we're together. Like either my family or your career. And then Josh is PO'd because he says, you're not even letting me plead my case. You're not even letting me fight. Nope. And then Clara, to her credit, tells what I think is her real fear because she says, even if you didn't go back to performing when your contract expires... You'd get bored with me in two weeks, a month tops. I could never compete. Yeah. So she tells him her real fear, but he's too mad to like realize what it is, like what she's telling him. And he's just like, no, you hurt me. I hate you. (laughs) (laughs) My feelings are hurt. And then this is the separation. So Clara moves out. Josh decides he's going to have a visit with his folks. He needs to take some time to himself and deal. He needs the wisdom of the mother. <laughs> I think this mom is a pretty good mom for a romance mom. Yeah, I did too. Legitimately, even if she did have a negative reaction to him being like, hey, mom, I'm in porn. I think that's understandable to hear some news that you're not expecting and you just have a reaction. Yeah. I think you have to be careful with put placing too much importance on an initial reaction sometimes. And I mean, clearly, you know, she regrets it. She says to him, I wasn't mad that you'd chosen porn. I was mad that you chose porn over us. Because by the time she had had a chance to collect her thoughts, he was gone. And then she says, you gave me and your father zero credit. You cut us off before we even got a chance to respond. I felt like a bad mother, not because you chose to have sex on camera, but because you didn't trust me enough to love you while you did it. And so Josh is like... 
aha, this is <laughs> vaguely familiar to what I just experienced with Clara. Hmm. What a coinky dink. <laughs> and she says, you owe the people who love you the benefit of the doubt. She says all this while she's feeding him, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> and then this part i especially liked because josh is like are you sure you don't care that i am in porn and she says i've had two years to process this information and for me it comes down to this i care about you being safe and happy and about the blockers your father put on my computer so i never accidentally see you mounting anyone <laughs> that's fair <laughs> <laughs> otherwise you're an adult and i respect your choices <laughs> good job mom yes meanwhile clara has stopped off in las vegas which is the last leg of everett's band's tour because she wants to have a talk with everett she finds him pretty easily so it makes me think like yeah he's playing in las vegas but not anywhere good <laughs> <laughs> She has a thought in her head about how Everett's only ever seen her at her best and how Josh has seen her at her worst. That's important. She admits to Everett that she loved him for a long time and Everett's like, I knew that, but <laughs> I pretended <laughs> not to know because you've always been there for me. Slime ball. <laughs> I knew you had a thing for me, but I just let you flounder <laughs> without giving you any sort of closure whatsoever. Because... I could use what you had. I was like, oh, poor Clara. <laughs> so messed up. It is. I love it. But he does apologize to her. And then she tells him, well, at least luckily, you know, you ended up getting me together with Josh. So thanks. At some point during this conversation, she realizes, I don't want to go back home. I want to go back to LA. I want to go back to Josh. But she does want to go home. It's just where home is, isn't Connecticut. Right. She tells Everett, you need to give me your keys. <laughs> so she takes Everett's car and drives all the way back to L.A. <laughs> the next day, Josh is in a radio station doing an interview for a talk show with him and Naomi about Shameless. The interviewer is asking some questions about Clara and both Josh and Naomi are trying to, like, steer the conversation away. Josh gets kind of, I'm not talking about this. I'm leaving. And as he goes to leave the room, Clara is there. Surprise! While the radio station is on air. <laughs> and so, of course, the host is like, oh, yes, thank you. She's, like, salivating <laughs> over this. <laughs> gets Claire mic'd up <laughs> immediately. <laughs> And Clara apologizes and confesses her love for Josh on air, which is sweet. It is. And he forgives her because he does. Because he was pathetic without her. A little bit, but in a sweet way. Yeah, I don't know. That's the thing. Like, he he was definitely feeling low, but it, at no point was it, like, annoying, I guess. And I don't know if it's because they weren't apart for that long. They were only apart for like a day or so. Yeah, it wasn't very long. Yeah, sometimes with these types of separations in, in romance stories where they'll break up over some stupid fight because they don't talk to each other like adults. <laughs> and then they're just like, woe is me. My life is not worth living anymore. <laughs> and it's just really annoying. And you're just like, God, can you just call them? You just send them a text. Hey, can we have a chat, please? 
No, no, no text. No. <laughs> we must be silent, keep our feelings locked in, and then explode. So at any rate, they love each other. They kiss. They end up fucking in the hallway at the radio station, I think. Oh, in the stairwell. Excuse me. <laughs> Not a hallway, a stairwell. That makes it, that makes it better. <laughs> Completely fine. Luckily, he has a condom with him. And then there's a call from Jill. And Jill's like, you need to get here right now. Tony is here wanting to speak with you. And so Josh drives her there. And we find out that apparently Josh has been collecting information about Black Hat this whole time. And after he and Clara had their falling out, he drove over to Tony's house like a stalker. (laughs) Showed up at her door and gave her this USB that had all this information on it and demanded that she prosecute them. Please and thank you. Yeah. So, yay. yay. The bad guy's lost. Woohoo. Um, Clara gets her job back. And then we get a nice epilogue two years later. It's Thanksgiving. They're engaged. They're having a family dinner with both the Wheatons and the Connors all together. So you get like this nice cozy scene where, oh, it turns out that, you know, Clara's family didn't die of scandal when Josh was introduced to them. And turns out that Josh's parents don't mind, you know, (laughs) what he did for the last few years. And it turns out that Black Hat and Pruitt were found guilty. So the information that Josh had given the DA ended up helping collapse the big porn empire. (laughs) Tony really appreciated all Josh's help and asked him to train as a expert witness so he could represent the interests of the adult entertainment community on behalf of her office. And he agreed. So that's really cool. So in addition to doing the stuff for Shameless, he's now an expert witness. And that's it. The end. (laughs) Woohoo! So there were some interesting tropes in this one. It started out with like a uh, like an unrequited love type of thing with her and Everett, but then obviously switched into the roommates trope, which is also kind of rides a line right next to forced proximity, I would say. Yeah. And then there was the forbidden love <laughs> because he's a porn star, she's a socialite, never the twain shall meet. Although apparently the twain did meet and they liked it. <laughs> How was the audiobook this time? I enjoyed it. The narrators were Brittany Presley and Teddy Hamilton. And I think both of them did a really good job portraying their respective characters. Things got a little, a little tricky, like the balance. Sometimes like even with two narrators, they play off each other really well. Even obviously when they're not speaking directly to one another. This one didn't always feel that way. It was, it was weird because... Brittany definitely sounded like Clara to me. I think Teddy did a good job of capturing Josh, but for some reason, I don't know. Sometimes it wasn't always... Like, do you feel like they didn't have chemistry? Maybe that's what it is. I imagine it's really difficult to have two narrators that never interact, but somehow manage to to have that chemistry. And I didn't necessarily always feel that between them, but I... I still felt like they did a very good job about their respective parts. Well, it sounds like what you're saying is that they record their parts separately, so they don't ever actually interact. Well, yeah, I mean, that's, I assume that that's how all... So it would be difficult for them to portray chemistry because of that. 
because I think a lot of chemistry and acting would be like playing off of each other. Yeah, I think the frustrating thing is, is like, I think if they were actually able to, you and I were talking about this earlier with something else, but dual narration or duet narration. Oh, yeah. I think those two would have done really well with something like that. Yeah, where it's kind of more enmeshed. Yeah. So, Em, are you happy for their happy? I really liked their journey. Basically, you know, starting off sort of irritated with each other and then taking that journey to friendship where they actually support one another and encourage one another. Yeah. And then, oh, wait, we love each other. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> it's love. Oops. Yeah, I'm I'm happy for them. I'm curious to see what would happen in the future for them. Like, especially if things were a little more jostled or something, you know? Yeah, well, it seems like a lot of the things they were worried about were largely in their own heads. Yeah. Because in that epilogue, you get the sense that everyone was fine with it. It was just them. Them worried about what everyone else would think. Which I don't know if, in quote unquote real life, if that would be the case. Yeah, I don't know. Like a wealthy trust fund socialite family? I don't know. We need to have a better appreciation of their past or something. So what about you? Were you happy for them? Yeah, I was. I feel like we got a really good amount of character, like character development, a good amount of couple time mm -hmm. this time around. You know, they. I really feel like they got to know each other really well. They had a lot of conversations, just getting to know each other, sharing themselves, being open with each other. Even though they weren't having, you know, that one important conversation, they were having all the other important conversations. Yeah, it's, <laughs> and it's so tricky because it's done so often in romance. It's like, do you fault this one book for doing it when they all do it? <laughs> No, of course not. Yeah, I mean, but that's that's the trick. It is one of those things where it's like, you love to hate that part, or at least that's how it is for me. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Like, come on, just talk to each other. Use your words. Yeah. <laughs> Point to the feelings face. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is it a smile or a frown? Exactly. And what color? Are we green? Do we feel sick? <laughs> Here's a bucket. Use the heart eyes emoji. <laughs> or the little devil emoji. Whatever you're feeling. The eggplant emoji. <laughs> it's an option. How would you rate Clara? Overall, I would rate her as awesome. You know, I felt like there were some frustrating elements, but I think, I think she got better. <laughs> I don't think the Clara that was like, oh no, I'm, I'm too embarrassed. I can't acknowledge the porn dude changed into someone who would but then it's so tricky because at the end it's like oh there's no big problems it sort of makes you feel like she could have acknowledged him and it would have been fine but I don't know if that's yeah realistic for the world that was trying to be created in the story what about you how did you rate Clara I put her as awkward yeah um I don't use that rating very much but I feel for Clara it was really a suitable term to describe her because she is very awkward. She's 27 years old, but she has like quite a bit of naivete. Yeah. Uh, still, especially regarding sex. She also has like, I don't know, like this weird like scandal PTSD that we talked about earlier that just seemed odd to me. And it seemed to be largely centered around like her mother. Like she didn't want to disappoint her mother. She promised her mother she wouldn't be scandalous. Yeah. Now that you say that, it almost... Huh, 
kind of questioning my awesome rating. <laughs> <laughs> no take backsies. I don't know if I necessarily want to change it, but yeah, I'm definitely rethinking it. Yeah, it seems more of a concern of a younger person than maybe 27. That's how it felt to me. And then also, I mean, not only that, but she's got at least one doctorate. Yeah. But she hasn't done anything with it because she's afraid to, which comes off as awkward to me. Like she has no, no faith in herself. Why am I thinking she got so much more confident at the end of the story? It's because she declared her love for Josh on air at a radio station. Maybe that's what it is. I don't know. And again, like that whole scene, that was a fun scene. It was very funny and well written, but it seemed really out of character for her too. Mm. Like she's making like this big gesture on air. I mean, I guess that's fine, but how do you feel about Josh? How do you rate him? I wanted to rate him awesome, but now I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I'm feeling like I'm questioning this a lot. Go with your gut. Oh, my gut, which was what I wrote after I read it, which is I put them both awesome. Okay. No, no. Yeah. I mean, I liked how sweet he was. I liked his thoughtfulness. He did sort of break that, I guess, romance hero stereotype. I mean of you know guy who has all the answers and succeeds at everything and doesn't need anybody else right and i liked that he felt more realistic in that way i agree with that you know and i really appreciate and like that because we all know how i feel about those other guys i know you don't like the alpha holes (laughs) i really don't You don't like the alphas in general i think even the nice ones i'm very dubious I think it's just, it's also maybe because they're just so common that I'm like, oh, yes, it's this guy again. I've seen you before. (laughs) Giant grumpy man. Yes. (laughs) Oh, my God. Crack a fucking smile. It would not hurt you. Literally, unless your face has just been punched or something. It shouldn't hurt. (laughs) I just can't. Giant grumpy man to the rescue. I just... He's going to put you in a gilded cage. Yeah, it definitely makes me want to have like a wand of smiles so I can just be like, come on. Like, I know you don't have to be laughy about everything because that gets annoying. Like the, you know, the funny guy. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. No. You know. No, thank you. We don't need to go down that painful road. But. No. You know, it's just the, I'm so grumpy because I have to repress all of my emotions. Oh, and by the way, I'm constipated. It's like, oh, no, no kidding. (laughs) What about you? How did you rate our hero, Josh? So I rated him awesome with like a side of awkward, I would say. I think like overall, I found him to be a really good hero. I really liked, you know, in real life, I'm kind of a sucker for the goofy cute. Yes. And he really like hit those hit those buttons for me I think he's got that going for him he's funny he doesn't take himself too seriously most of the time his feelings felt really genuine he seemed realistic to me the real problem I have with Josh's character is that I don't know why he has such a damn chip on his shoulder about his job yeah we have no evidence in the text to give us any reason to understand why he feels that way totally (laughs) so that's where the awkward comes from for me i feel like why it feels unreasonable because there is no evidence 
And I'm not going to beat a dead horse because we brought this up multiple times during the past hour or so where we're just, you know, we could have used a little bit more backstory here. (laughs) Arrow pointing. But overall, I think he was awesome. He seems sweet. He does. How do you feel about the antagonists or villains in the story? We did have an external threat, kind of. Kind of. I don't know. I kind of put like the villains basically as like the porn industry and then society. I think Josh and Clara felt like it was society, right? Like society will shame or shun them because of their association with this industry. But society really didn't. No, society didn't care. The the industry kind of was the villain. And I think that felt realistic. (laughs) It's the man. You know, or it's just the organization itself. Yeah. Absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. And I think, you know, having a villain that represents that felt appropriate. So yay villainy. Although not really in this case. What about you and the villains? So I have a little bit of a list and I kind of put them like from least bad to most (laughs) bad. And so first I put Everett because he's just a man child. He's just a terrible person. I don't know. He's a really like lackadaisical villain though. He didn't really put much effort into his villainy. He uses Claire's affection for his own gains. That is true. And not only that, but he, like, admits it to her point blank. Like, yeah, I kind of took advantage of that. Points for honesty? (laughs) Maybe. Maybe. At least he let her drive his car back to L.A.? I don't know. Character growth for him? Maybe he's the hero of book two? He's not, thankfully. Oh, okay. But I thought we're supposed to sympathize with the devils. Is that not what we're supposed to do? (laughs) (laughs) So next I put Benny. Because Benny is supposed to be Josh's agent, but apparently is in the pocket of Black Hat. Bad Benny, bad. You should be left in the mummy tomb to rot. Yeah, and his name is Benny, so I kind of feel like he's a low-level mafia member. I don't know. I kind of pictured him with a Chicago accent. Okay. Even though he's in L.A. (laughs) He could live in L.A. by way of Chicago. (laughs) L.A. has a lot of transplants. (laughs) But yeah, he just seemed like a low-level enforcer, like, (laughs) you know? Yeah. And then, of course, I put Black Hat Studios next because they represent the corporate evilness in this story. And they kind of also represent, I think, the negative things about sex work and the porn industry, especially with the story didn't go into too much detail about it. But, you know, the idea of like, oh, you'll make more money if you do the more hardcore stuff. But there's these waivers you have to sign. And, you know, they're willing to strong arm people into signing certain contracts. So it kind of showed a little bit like how that industry could take advantage of people. Yeah. And and do you feel like with the story, too, like it showed with that industry, Where it's like, hey, women's sexuality and pleasure. Yay. There doesn't always have to be the depictions of women being mistreated. Because that's the stereotype. Yeah, there was definitely a, a, a sharp delineation between like the type of porn that Josh, the good guy, does versus the type of porn the porn industry wants him to do. Can't the industry be founded on yay sex and yay enjoyment for everyone rather than not 
Uh, well, see, that's that's the issue. It's about money. It's not about people. <laughs> Evil money. I think that's something about the the project that they had, Shameless, that seemed really idealistic. And I have mixed feelings about uh, sex work in general. Mm. And I don't know enough to like to really go off on how this book portrayed it or not. But it seemed like it took the stance that, you know, the corporate side of it is bad, but the people are good. That felt right to me. Yeah, I'm inclined to agree with that as well. It's so tricky, though, but corporate entities are made up of people. I know. (laughs) Chicken, egg. So how did you rate the book? I gave the book a 4.5. I really liked it. I was entertained. Totally. What about you? How did you rate the book? I gave it a four. I did feel a little conflicted about this four. It might be like on the low end of a four, but I really enjoyed reading it. There were a few things that that I kept getting stuck on um, that I felt like we could have had a bit more. Overall, it was a fun read. It was funny. The hero was cute, which is always a plus in my book. Yay. And there was a good story arc, you know, some good character growth. Yeah, so. I liked the, like, when they had that house party, like, with Josh and Naomi's co-workers. I like the co-workers. They're fun. Yeah, me too. So, did you feel romanced? Oh, I'm not sure. Oh, no. Yeah, I'm not sure, because I really like Josh, and I don't really like Clara. Ooh. Uh-oh. But they had really good chemistry. <laughs> so, like... I could be persuaded to be romanced, maybe. You need to be wooed. (laughs) I'm open to being wooed. (laughs) They may court me if they like. (laughs) I accept flowers and chocolates and tears. (laughs) And cheese. (laughs) What about you? Did you feel romanced? I did. Wow. Is this number three? I think so. Congratulations. If we have a firework sound effect, we can cue it now. Yeah, I did. I thought (laughs) I I liked the interaction of Josh and Clara and I felt like their their journey felt honest. Yeah, it did. I think there were definitely some backstory issues. We do these and it's like, I've got to think about it. But at the same time, it's like, (laughs) it didn't seem to bother me as much. And plus, I love Naomi, although she's not why I felt romanced, but I'm excited for book two. Uh, For any listeners, if they're interested, it's called The Intimacy Experiment. And we know it has Naomi. Do we know who the hero is? It looks like it's someone new. Oh, okay. What else have you been reading? So I've also been reading another Kristen Painter book. Big surprise. And it's called The Siren Saves the Billionaire. It's about Andrea Seeley who is a mermaid, and she crosses paths with Ethan Edmonds, who (laughs) he thinks she's drowning and he tries to save her. (laughs) Yes. So then, of course, you know, that gets awkward. And her company that she has in Nocturne Falls is an aquarium company. So his girlfriend definitely, she definitely thinks of herself as a fiancé. Um, hires Andrea to come over and build a custom aquarium. Then, of course, they cross paths again. And Andrea puts two and two together that something is amiss about the couple. So there's a little bit of a, what's going on here? Just in case you were wondering, yes, there is a cat. His name is Bowie. And Ethan loves him. And he wears sweaters. 
How cute is that? Oh, I love him too. I know. You should read it. You will enjoy. I just put it on my want to read list. <laughs> yes, he's adorable. <laughs> he gets cold. He looks like he's a Sphinx cat on the cover. He is. He is? Oh, Hence the sweater he's wearing. He's wrinkly and naked. <laughs> he's a sweetie. Despite having an interest in the fish in the fish tank, no fishies are harmed. Oh, good. That's important to note. Yes. <laughs> so what about you? What have you been reading, my dear? I've also been reading a mermaid Yay! book. It is called Into the Drowning Deep by Mira Grant. And it is a sci-fi horror book. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Love it. Seven years ago, there was a mockumentary on mermaids that was being made on the Mariana Trench. The boat was found, but all the crew was gone. And there was footage found that showed creatures that looked similar to mermaids, uh-huh. but you couldn't really, like, it didn't look fake. So you know how... Um, cgi from like 10 years ago looks fake now yeah. yay technology yeah over time this the creatures have always looked real like in the footage uh-huh. right our main character is tori and she's a marine biologist and she lost her sister on the voyage and so she's kind of spent her life since then trying to find out what happened yeah. she discovers interesting sounds that are the same as the engine sounds of the ship that was lost. Only these sounds are found deep in the Mariana Trench, where those sounds would not be, like even if the ship was really there. Yeah, the pressure. The production company that did the mockumentary funds like this whole voyage to go out there and discover what really happened, to clear their name, to really discover mermaids, to do all these things. And when they get out there, boy, do they discover mermaids. (laughs) And then they regret it. And they regret awesome. it. Awesome. <laughs> At least I'm assuming because you said horror. Oh yes, it is. It is horror. This is this is a gory book. Gotcha. Don't eat spaghetti. I would say, yeah, no. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I would say that one of my favorite parts about this book is that it takes a sci-fi approach to the whole idea of mermaids. How. There's been like this divergent evolution oh. deep down at the bottom of the sea that also are like these creatures that look sort of humanoid, but they aren't people, they aren't mammals, you know, they look just enough like, <laughs> you know, like if you see a silhouette of them or whatever, they look like a siren of lore. Interesting. Yeah, and it takes a very sciency look at it. Like we get even a little bit into the biology behind them, all sorts of things. Very, very interesting. A lot of really fun characters, a lot of scary deaths. <laughs> <laughs> And apparently it's going to be a series. Oh. I'm not sure because this says it's it's book one, uh-huh. but it was published in 2017. So we'll see if another one comes yeah, out. Yeah, it's so tricky because sometimes it can take authors a really long time to come up to write the second book, even if they are actively writing it. It's just their process takes a long time. But it seems like this particular author has several other uh, works and they're like, I think there's one that's like a, a quartet and one that's a trilogy. So hmm. hopefully we'll get at least two more books. 
I want more. <laughs> and it ended at a part where you felt satisfied with the ending, but there could definitely be more to explore. And I don't want to spoil it on the podcast, but it's so good. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I will definitely have to read it soon so then we can discuss. Yeah, you should. It I is so good. I think that's really awesome if an author can do that to, to give a satisfying conclusion, yet leave that space open. Yes. Okay, so that's it for this time. Check out our website, romancebepodcast.com, for show notes, other episodes, and our upcoming reads. Join us next time when we discuss Across the Moonlit Sea by Marsha Cannon. Bye! Bye. I love that we both read Me too. I'm really excited to read I'm glad there were no cats. <laughs> oh, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> I must admit, I cannot take it when, when pets or animals get killed. I know sometimes, especially with, with murder books, like psychopath is always got to kill a critter i know like can't it be some someone else can't it be a human who can defend themselves (laughs) a little bit or something